basically the gut and the brain talk to each other and you know in the past I think they thought that it was just a one direction conversation that was the brain telling the gut what to do when to create you know digestive juices and making the the bowels move you know that type of thing but what they've sort of more more recently kind of realized is that it's a two-way conversation that the brain communicates to the gut but also the gut communicates with the brain and I think that's where the exciting research is, is being done at the moment. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses here, and you are listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. This podcast is a spinoff of my blog, BrittanyAmoses.com, where I talk about the intersection of faith and mental health and how that applies to our everyday lives. You're listening to Episode 7. On today's episode, I was so excited to have the opportunity to sit and talk with my friend, Dr. Janelle Sinclair. She's a biochemist and registered natural medicine practitioner who specializes in the area of mental health. She's also a wife, a mother of two, a Christ follower, a CrossFitter, a speaker, and an author. Dr. Janelle has worked in the natural medicine field for over 14 years, has a PhD in biochemistry from Basel, Switzerland, and has a postgraduate certificate in mental health. She's a lover of learning and has completed numerous natural medicine and neurolinguistic programming courses and is fit gene certified. She also has a YouTube channel, guys, in where she shares her passion on the biological causes of depression and anxiety and how to treat them naturally. It's her biggest hope and prayer that many people's lives would be impacted and healed through this practical information. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hello, Dr. Janelle. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, thanks. Great to be here. Thank you. Great. How is the weather? First of all, why don't you let everyone know where you are located right now? Well, I'm in Hamilton, New Zealand, and it's summer here, and we've just been having really a heat wave, so beautiful, beautiful weather, actually. It's amazing. That is, so you're all the way in New Zealand, and it's probably the coldest for most of us right now (laughs) for for many who are listening it's it's probably snowing so but it's it sounds like you guys are having great weather over there and it doesn't happen that often so it's a surprise yeah (laughs) I have to say New Zealand is on my bucket list and it's been on my bucket list for a while and I have to tell you why (laughs) okay Okay. I love the Chronicles of Narnia I'm a big Uh Narnia fan and they filmed the movie series in New Zealand on these just beautiful grasslands and ever since I saw that I was like oh my gosh I've got to get to New Zealand it's so beautiful over there and I'm sure there are parts of it but (laughs) yeah South Island's beautiful I mean it's all beautiful in different ways but yeah Well, let me just start off by saying that I absolutely love you in so many ways and everything that you're doing. Um, I, we followed each other on Instagram and that's how we made the initial connection. And you talk a lot about breaking down the naturalistic aspects of mental health. And I just love that so much. You do such a great job of going into, I mean, detail by detail and and breaking down all the different factors. And um, 
I, I, I just love that so much. For me, I have been in my own journey as well as it, you know, on my blog and on my platform, just been diving into more of the connection between nutrition and the gut and mental health and the brain and just some of the more natural, holistic ways that we can and, and lifestyle changes that we can make um, to improve our mental health and functioning. And I mean, just coming across your work just it has intersected with where I'm at so well that I'm just, I'm blessed to have you. I'm so grateful. Um, why don't you let everyone know a little bit more about the work that you're doing and, and that you've done? Yeah, well, thanks, Brittany. It's, um, yeah, it was really cool to be able to find you on Instagram as well. Um, I really just started two months ago um, trying to get this message out out into sort of more the public arena. Um, I've been, you know, as I said, working, um, I've been working with clients for, for five years in natural medicine, but um, late last year I made, made the call to stop working with clients, but to get this information out to people because there's so many safe and effective things that people can be doing to help improve right. their, their well-being. So I, I, I mean, you can, on one hand, you can say, I look at natural strategies to improve um, net mental um, health. Mm-hmm. Um, but my kind of my passion is to look at the biological causes of depression and anxiety. Um, so that's looking for imbalances in the body or biochemically. And, right. and and I'm not just talking about serotonin. I mean, everyone thinks depression's just serotonin, but it's not. There's nutritional deficiencies, there's hormonal imbalances, mm-hmm. um, problems in the gut, um, food intolerances, blood sugar imbalances, toxins, and even genetic weaknesses that we can um, actually impact. Um, so that's kind of a broad, quick view of um, <laughs> all the all the areas that we can work on from a physical perspective that can improve our yeah our mental well-being i just love that because i feel like for years you know when it comes to you know health it's often like okay this is the part that's wrong let's fix this part when really it's kind of this symphony of things it can be multiple things like all the things that you're mentioning that are leading to these causes and you know looking at the body and and the mind is a connected place um and uh, I think that you expressed you expressed that so well. Um, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background work? Okay, well, um, my my last week's YouTube video that I that I did actually discusses um, my background. Actually, I thought it'd be um, a good time to to introduce myself and tell people why I'm in this field. Right. So I I did a my PhD in Switzerland actually, even though I'm a Kiwi, I traveled <laughs> over to Switzerland and studied there. But um, during my PhD, I was dating a man and he had chronic fatigue. Mm. And, um, you know, at the time, people just said, oh, chronic fatigue is just depression, it's just in your head. And being the, you know, young and exuberant biochemist, I was like, oh, uh, maybe, maybe there's some, you know, biochemical things going on. So, and this was just at the beginning of the internet as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went on this amazing journey and, and amazingly found an English book in Switzerland in a bookshop on the, um, you know, it was by Joan 
Matthews Larson and, and it was about depression-free naturally. And so that was an amazing book talking about the biological causes of depression and fatigue. Mm. And so, yeah, so that's what, how many years ago? <laughs> Nearly 19 years ago, showing <laughs> show my age. Um, <laughs> I got into um, natural medicine and the reason I think I had an understanding of that is my father also had, he probably would have been diagnosed as ADHD if he was um, born mm. today. Um, so he ended up finding out in his 20s that he had food intolerances. So this wasn't just gluten or dairy, it was to natural food colorings um, mm. in foods called salicylate. So it took you know, my mum and my dad 20 years to figure out um, you know, which foods were okay for him and which weren't and which sort of triggered his um, yeah, problems with his body and things like that. So I had an understanding that we're all unique, that what affects one person and their food, food mm -hmm. affecting one person doesn't necessarily affect someone else in the same way. So I think with having a father that, um, and myself as well a little bit, you know, well, when I would get a headache or sore muscles, I'd mm. instantly think, what did I eat 20 minutes ago? And that was because of the way my dad um, was affected by food. And so I was very self-aware and I, and I knew that food could be someone's medicine or they could be someone's poison. Right. Um, yeah, so that was, I kind of understood the idea of bi a bio chemical individuality I suppose so when I had a, the boyfriend with chronic fatigue it was just kind of obvious to me that maybe we should be looking for some underlying drivers in the in the physical realm I love that that is just such the marking of a researcher <laughs> is looking <laughs> at those those natural experiences within your life which is what you did and asking the questions which have obviously led you to where you are and it, that's where I feel like I, I'm also inquisitive by nature. I want to know how and why and, and how things are connected. And I really believe in following your questions. And yeah. it's led us both to this idea of the gut-brain connection, um, which, you know, I, I feel I wish was talked about more. You know, um, just being a, a current student in studying um, psychology and, and clinical psychology, I, I wish that there was more of an introduction to nutritional health and mental health because the more that I read about it, the more I'm just astounded with how connected it is. Um, well, we are what we eat, mm -hmm. aren't we? But we, right. you know, there's that, that phrase, we are what we eat. But if you stop and think about it, other than when you were, um, made by your mother and we're right. made by what she ate and fed by by her we are what what we've eaten for the last you know right. how many years you've been alive what you've put in your mouth has you know built your body mm -hmm. and grown us so we and, shouldn't and be so surprised <laughs> it's, it's actually yeah. not surprising it's kind yeah. of it makes common sense but I yeah. feel I feel like so many of us haven't done the research or so many of us just haven't been interested because of all of life's demands it's yes. like we're just eating to to just satisfy our hunger to get through the day not many of us are making a conscious choice and we've talked about a lot about eating when it comes to heart health and cancer and diabetes and things like that but yep. there's this whole conversation between food and mental health 
that needs to be taking place. So I wanted to ask you, you know, getting real practical and just making the tangible connection, how does the gut brain connection actually work at the biological level? Like from the moment you're putting food in your mouth, to how it's translating in your brain, you know, that can kind of seem abstract because I always feel like with microbiology, it's so, you can't physically see it in your day-to-day life. So for the person who is newly being introduced to this whole idea of the gut-brain connection, what can you tell us about how how that's physically connected okay well you're you're actually asking the same question that all the research scientists are asking at the moment (laughs) (laughs) and and literally I was um I was preparing for this this talk today and I was um reading a seminar um notes that I did um last year and you know there's there's papers there from 2017 so really recent Mm -hmm. saying we don't know and here's basically our, our guess or the, or the latest research. So it's a real novel area and, and really mm-hmm. cutting edge. So I'll try to summarize it as, <laughs> as easily and yeah, as easily as I can. Basically, right. the gut and the brain talk to each other. And, you right. know, in the past, I think they thought that it was just a one direction conversation. That it was the brain telling the gut what to do to when to create, um, you know, digestive juices and when to how um, and making the the bowels move so that you can have a bowel motion, you know, that type of thing. But what they've sort of more more recently kind of realized is that it's a two-way conversation that the brain communicates to the gut but also the gut communicates with the brain and I think that's where the exciting research is is being done at the moment so the communication happens three ways really and a lot of people talking about the the vagus nerve and Mm. the enteric nervous system so this is the nervous system that's really the nerves that are linking the brain to the gut and the gut to the to the brain and also works through the hpa axis so the hypothalamus pituitary and the adrenals mm-hmm. so that the hypothalamus and the pituitary are parts in the brain and the adrenals are the the glands that create l um, stress, the, the fight and flight response, um, mm-hmm. uh, hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, and I think you guys call it um, epinephrine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we call it adrenaline. But so, so the communication between the gut and brain doesn't just happen through the nervous system, it also is likely to occur through hormones and neurotransmitters and the immune system as well. So what they've known for a long time is that stress can impact the gut. So this might be, you know, early childhood stresses or, or traumas or, um, you know, maternal um, separation, that sort of thing. Those early stresses will have an effect on, on the cortisol and the stress hormones, and then this will lead to um, imbalances in the gut. So this might mm. lead... When I say imbalances in the gut, I often talk about good bacteria versus bad bacteria. Right. And microbiologists don't like this because they would say all all bacteria is good, but they just have to be there in the right in the right level. So you can call them the opportunistic, which are the bad bacteria. So they should just be there in small numbers, and the good mm-hmm. beneficial bacteria should be there in big numbers. I think that for some people, when they hear bacteria, they think bad. 
And because all we associate bacteria with is, you know, getting sick and Mm. just making making aware that we need bacteria. (laughs) Mm. We're actually Um, more... When I think there's, um, we're more bacteria than we are our own cells. Right, so right, right. We're 90% bacteria, actually. So there's so much in our, and, and we do need them, as you say. If they're part of our immune system, they're part of our immune system. They're, they're what, yeah, what helps keep us healthy. And so that's the problem with antibiotics. Or and I and I don't really like all these these sprays and things to rubs to put on your hand to and you know sanitize everything. Yes. We need some of these good bugs. <laughs> right. I was I was taught even from my earliest science class in you know sixth grade to not use antibacterial soap. Oh, okay. Because you kill the 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 good bacteria too. And stress also um, changes the bacterial balance. It also impacts the intestinal lining. So a lot of people might have heard of the term leaky gut. Right. So have you heard of that term before? Yes, no? yes. Actually, my mom just sent me a text this morning with an article about signs of a leaky gut. Okay. So yeah. this is so on time. Right. So, I mean, they talk about the the gut is, um, the intestine is pretty amazing because it wants to keep the, the rubbish where it should be and excrete that out of the body but at the same time it has to absorb all the goodness and and it's got some immune system roles there as well in the gut so but what happens is in leaky gut that barrier to all the bad stuff um, is affected so basically some toxins and things that have an effect on the immune system and undigested Mm -hmm. food can leak into the bloodstream and so then that then that affects the immune system, that affects inflammation. We hear often now about how mental illness is really about inflammation of the brain. Mm. So this can be one of the causes for inflammation is yeah, a leaky gut and, and the bad gut health as well. Right. Yeah. So on, on one level, so the stress can impact the gut, but then... I think the reverse the reverse is true as well. And I think this is probably the exciting part for anyone that is impacted with any any mental health issues is that the gut can impact the brain and we can do something about that. So the gut impacts the brain by the ba- bacteria can stimulate the immune system, the, some of their byproducts. So they, I just say like the bacteria release these toxins and those toxins can get into our system. In some ways, they can kind of make us feel a little bit drunken in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the easiest way to explain it. You know, people understand how, you know, if you drink too much alcohol, you can um, feel very woozy in the head right, right. and um, have foggy brain and you're slowed thinking. The same type of thing can cap- happen with um, bacteria. So they can create toxins that get into our bloodstream and into the into the nervous system and that can make us feel lethargic but on the other hand it can also make us feel anxious and irritable and things like that as well so the bacteria can create like delactate and ammonia and methane and hydrogen gases as well And you asked for it, Brittany. You said, how does yeah. it work at the biological level? So, you know, yeah. and the, I asked. The gut, yeah, the, the microbes can produce hormones and neurotransmitters as well. So this can impact the brain and the gut can also stimulate the vagus nerve as well. So it can actually 
um, go through the nervous system as well and turn stress right stress signals on and things like that as well I think it's so I think it's such a well yes an exciting finding and um, it, it's so interesting to think that you know for all this time we were thinking you know neurons are just in the brain and in the spinal cord but to find that there are you know millions of le- of neurons that are lining our gut and that there is this two-way connection there's a whole system there that's communicating what you're digesting to your brain (laughs) and that's when that became so real for me that understanding that's when I started becoming convicted about what I was eating not just for my body but for my mind you know at the beginning you were telling us about your approach to mental health and that you discuss the biological causes of depression and anxiety. How much are a person's food choices relevant to that, to their mental health? You know, as I said in the beginning, you know, um, we can, mental health can be caused by nutritional deficiencies. So what foods you actually choose or what foods you avoid can have an impact on that. Probably one of the big ones I like to talk about is sugar and blood Mm -hmm. sugars. So firstly, you know, sugar, if we eat too much processed food and sugary foods, we can feed the bad bugs and so they can get out of balance. So that can um, have an impact in and on the stress hormones and and cause anxiety and things like that. But another big thing that I don't, I'm not sure that is discussed enough mm-hmm. is blood blood sugar imbalances. And I think that anyone that has anxiety or panic attacks should carefully think about any blood sugar imbalances. So what happens when you eat? Your, this might be a little bit of what you're interested in, Brittany. Is mm-hmm. when you eat your food and and it's processed and the, you know, everything's made into glucose for the for the body. You get this peak in in sugar in your bloodstream initially, and then the body goes, okay, this isn't really very good for us, um, for our eyes and our um, our capillaries and blood vessels. So we need to get rid of those blood sugars. Um, mm. So it brings it down. But for some reason, in and certain people, and it can be due to surgeries on the gut and I think some sugar imbalances, some people's blood sugars drop far too quickly. Okay. And then then they drop below what the body's comfortable with. And this is when we can feel um, lethargic. We, I, me personally, 10 years ago, it would sometimes happen if I'd have ate, um, you know, crepes or pancakes for breakfast or too much maple syrup. Mm. And, I, and my blood sugars would drop too quickly and I'd sit on the couch and say you know what's the point in life and and just feel lethargic feel low mood and melancholic and that's the power of you know what you put, choose to put in your mouth um but when for for people that are sensitive um and you can call it hypoglycemia um low blood sugars when it mm-hmm. drops far too much the body responds and says we can't have um we need sugar we need glucose to fuel the brain we, the right. brain literally literally needs that fuel to function so the body releases cortisol and adrenaline or epinephrine to raise that blood sugar but everyone knows what a 
an adrenaline or epinephrine rushes like you know your, your heart rates increased you feel irritable you sweat your breathing rate might increase and so there's a lot of similarities between a, an, a, an epinephrine rush or adrenaline rush and a panic attack wouldn't mm. you wouldn't you agree yeah so I think yeah I've, ha- I've had clients come into my um clinic and we're sitting there and, and the first hour goes really well and then I can just see them st- starting to to kind of drop in the energy levels and they they can't string their words together very well they're having to stop and think to to gather their thoughts and they just take a lot longer to talk and and then I might mm. see a yawn which is another sign of low blood sugars and then the shaking starts and it's like oh you're hit you're going into you've your blood sugars have dropped and then they're like these are my signs that I'm going to have a panic attack very very soon oh yeah and so I've I wrote an Instagram post uh, probably a month ago because I did a YouTube video on blood sugars and and anxiety and there are warning signs that your blood sugars are dropping just uh, and the problem is because you're not thinking quite straight because your brain brain hasn't got enough fuel to think Mm -hmm. sometimes we we miss these but if you can come attuned to your body you know you start forgetting your words you might yawn you're just starting to get tired and lethargic so this is the first this is like when the brain hasn't got enough sugar to function that's what's happening for some people they'll have suicidal thoughts at that stage because the brain is kind of in survival mode and Mm. it's um, so suicidal thoughts can be low blood sugars as well but then you know five ten minutes later in comes the adrenaline rush which can look like a panic attack wow and so all this is affected by our food because if we're choosing foods that release sugar into the bloodstream really quickly um just you know lollies and cakes and um and I mean for some people they're over infected just by white breads and just all the really processed foods right you can trigger the body trying to store that sugar because just because of the the increase in blood sugars really quickly the body wants to get rid of them and so then often you'll have really low blood sugars and then the adrenaline release as well that's, does it make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I actually didn't think a whole lot about blood sugars, but that makes that makes a lot of sense that if you're if you're low in blood sugar and low in energy, you know, mm-hmm. your brain doesn't really have the strength to fight off. It's kind of a, a uphill battle. And I think that that actually leads very well into my next question. You know, we're talking about, you know, not eating as many processed foods and eating more kind of nutrient foods that will feed the good bacteria uh, or versus the bad bacteria in your gut, which therefore leads to, you know, your mental health state. So what would be some of the worst nutrients or foods to have for your mental health. Out here in the U.S., we have something called MAD, M-A-D, which is the modern American diet, (laughs) which is just a mess with processed foods and antibiotics and hormones. And I mean, it's kind of crazy. It gets crazier and crazier the more you look into it. So what, yeah, what, what would, if you were to tell someone like just, kind of try to stay away from these or try to limit these as much as possible yeah. because it 
it's really bad for your for your brain. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. what would you say those foods are, or, or what those nutrients are, okay. and kind well, of what they do yeah. to you? Well, caffeine for a start. And I think <gasps> Wait, that's kind of an coffee. Obvious... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an obvious one and everyone's like, oh, yeah, we've heard all this before. But um, it really does, you know, people go to it to give themselves a lift and they might be trying to um, increase their adrenal function, really, and their energy for the day to get through the day. But you're wearing out your adrenal glands and mm-hmm. these are the, the glands that um, – release the hormones that help us deal with stress so we're kind of increasing those hormones to to give us more energy you know and epinephrine increase a bit of adrenaline's always good it feels lovely but we're wearing them out in the process so limit limit caffeine sugar as i as i just said it could feed the the bad bugs but it can also lead to those unbalanced Mm -hmm. blood sugars but another area that we need to think about is inflammation. So they talk about right. mental mental health issues being an issue of inflammation and the body being inflamed. Yeah, some of the and the the inflammatory foods are gluten and dairy. So trying to reduce those as much as you can is also um, a good option. So, but adding in lots of good anti-inflammatory foods, things like oily fish, brightly coloured foods, like your blueberries and your berries and your spices, mm-hmm. so, um, some good fats like your avocado, lots of cruciferous vegetables to help with the detox reactions as well. Food colourings and additives as well. So, yeah. um, I mean, some of these are kind of obvious, but, you know, if if someone's having so like a do you have fanta over there yeah <laughs> yeah brightly orange colored with it yeah. drinks you, uh-huh. you, you can imagine the sugar in that so one you have you're impacting your blood sugars but number two there's all these food colorings in there and for some people they're quite sensitive to those so that can be stimulatory and um, cause ADHD type mm. symptoms and um, anxiety and things like that so removing that out of your diet I mean it's coming yeah. back to the basics that we are what we eat so let's eat as close to natural as we can right. so eat as much fruit and well limit the fruit because you don't want too much sugar but get lots and lots of vegetables um, in your diet so maybe one to two pieces of fruit servings of fruit a day Mm -hmm. but you know your five to seven servings of vegetables every day thinking about good protein a lot of what people don't realize as well so neurotransmitters like serotonin the way that they're made in the body is they're made from amino acids and where do you get amino acids from from protein right so there's people that have very you know they don't intentionally do it but probably because they're just eating all the processed things they're not getting enough protein into their diet Um, so even just adding you know having eggs for breakfast or eggs for lunch or maybe having a protein a a smoothie you know with some good berries in it but also some protein powder in there um, is Getting getting your breakfast, if you can work on your breakfast first, it makes a, a big difference. Right. So you can start your day off with some proteins and some good fats and some good antioxidants and things like that. I love everything you're saying, you know, with the cat. Okay, going back to the coffee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
I switched over to matcha recently. Yeah. And let me, I have to tell you how huge this is because if you just scroll down my Instagram, I have a cup of coffee in like every other picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, I personally was just, um, I would feel that crash, you know, around three. And I was also that person that added a lot of cream and a lot of sugar. And I just noticed a physical difference. I don't know. Do you guys have matcha or do you guys make matcha over yeah, there? Yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've been I've been using that as an alternative. Do you do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Um <laughs> don't have an opinion on that. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's yeah, yeah. I don't know enough about it to comment. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. But All I, right. So far, it's supposed to be like a natural, like a natural energy. It has, you know, with and the, how's it working for you? Working? Oh, I love it. Oh, yes. Good. And it's yeah. not like you said. It's not an adrenaline rush, and I yeah. can't remember the ingredient, but there's an ingredient that is also known to help de-stress. So okay. it kind of gives you this calm energy, like this Good. focus, and it, it, I've been able to last all day. And it's right. amazing. People's underlying genetics also have an impact on whether caffeine is bad for them or not. So there's two genes that are are affected. So for one person, you might be a slow processor of caffeine. And so that puts a strain on the liver. And there's another gene that is involved with the breakdown of neurotransmitters. So dopamine and um, adrenaline, um, epinephrine. So if you t drink coffee, you actually slow down your body's ability to get rid of adrenaline. So for some, for some people, they can tolerate caffeine. But for a lot of people with um, anxiety, they have the genetic weakness, and it's called the COM-T gene. And if they've got it with a second gene, which they can't break down coffee, then they're really going to hold on to all these stress hormones. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they do say if you struggle with anxiety, that caffeine is probably one of the <laughs> one of the top things that you should you should, you should. cut out. And yeah. exactly for the reasons that you're saying. Mm -hmm. And we already you you already discussed some of this, but my my next question was going to be, what mm -hmm. are some of the best nutrients and foods for your mental health? Like, what would you say? Like, yes, eat more of that, drink more of that, because. Mm -hmm that is, you know, optimizing your, your brain health. What, what would the, what would you say some of those foods and, and nutrients are? Well, as I said, protein is really, really important. But number two, um, omega th foods that are high in omega-3s. So this includes your fish, really. It's one of the, and, and linseeds and flaxseeds, but um, mm -hmm. same thing. The, th the thing is, um, I did some posts and a video on omega-3 about one or two, two weeks ago, I think. And in the, in the video, I talked about the three mistakes that people were making when it comes to omega-3 for treating depression. And one of them was thinking that they could treat depression with food. And I, I basically proved in that video that you can't do it. I totally think that eating good fish is going to support and be a preventative and maintain your mental health. Right. But for people that have depression, like you need two grams of EPA, which is a special form of omega-3, which is only found in fish. It's not found in flaxseed and linseed. The body has to process the omega-3s in those to, to create the EPA. So a lot of people aren't taking enough omega-3s when mm -hmm. they're trying to treat their depression and they're not 
taking the right form. They often, a lot of people talk about DHA because it's the highest omega-3 found in the brain, but DHA is good for the structural side, but EPA, the other form of omega-3, is good for lowering inflammation. So studies are showing that you have to lower inflammation through using EPA to actually treat depression. So I love omega-3 as a nutrient mm-hmm. and some of the studies have shown that the thing was 50% of people that were in the study had a 50% reduction in their tr- depressive symptoms within two to eight weeks. So, and wow. other and other studies have shown that it's, they're small studies, but they're shown it as, as effective as an SSRI medication. So like fluoxetine or something like that. So... I love omega. I'm such an omega three advocate. And when I saw your posts on it, I was, I was cheering you on from afar. (laughs) Um, I, I actually, I take omega three every day. Um, I take omega three supplements every day and, um, you know, lots of salmon in those fatty fish. And it's so funny because for a long time, you know, with health, it was stay away from fat. You know, fat is yeah. bad for you. It's just this big push on fat is evil. You don't want to eat fat. And it's interesting. But your brain is now, like. But yeah. your brain is made out of fat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your skin's, the cell membranes are all made out of fat in every cell in your body. <laughs> yeah. Right. So now, yeah. you know, we're looking at the research and it's like, no, you, you need the fats. You need mm-hmm. to be getting the fats, but the good fats. No, you're right. It's. So they talk about the the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 balance and even the way that our chickens are being bred because, you know, people say grain-fed chickens, fantastic. And it's like, but when people eat grains and chickens eat grain, the eggs become more rich in omega-6. The same with um, the animals, like grain-fed beef. And I'm like, I want grass-fed beef, thank you. <laughs> Grain-fed right. means that the meat is now more richer in omega-6. It's just about balance. It's, right. Um, yeah, it's about balance, unfortunately. And, and I would say omega-3 is more anti-inflammatory. So it's just that, yeah, inflammation is increasing in the body and um, the omega-6-3s are just yeah, so important. So it's about yeah. the problem is saying eat better. It's like we've also got to start talking about our agriculture, actually. Yes. The, um, <laughs> the way that we make our food, like it's amazing when you talk to vets or Hamilton um, in New Zealand is a, is a farming community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I talk to a lot of farmers and vets understand this as well. When you talk about mineral deficiencies, they go yeah. like, yeah, to actually get good milk production out of our cows, we test their, we test them, we test the soil, we test their um, muscles just to check whether they've got good levels of magnesium and selenium and iodine and things like that because they know that their milk production goes down or in sheep they'll get foot rot or they'll have stillbirths like infertility in their breeds and things like that. So right. They understand the power of minerals. And mm-hmm. so for us with mental health, you know, we need good magnesium. Um, magnesium deficiency can cause anxiety, right. um, insomnia. So, you know, for, for some people, they, they just need, you know, a good, a good magnesium supplement before they go to bed at night. And that helps calm the whole system down. So, yes. 
I have magnesium drops. I'm like, I'm like a walking, I I promise I'm a guinea pig. When I tell people about these supplements, it's like, look, (laughs) I'm trying them first. I swear. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and um, I love, this is what I get so excited about this conversation. (laughs) Let me say, because just, it's just the inquisitive side of me. It, this whole conversation of gut and diet and mental health, there's Mm. just, there's so many levels to it. And I think that's what fascinates me and blows my mind because Mm. like everything you're saying, you know, you have, first you have the gut brain connection and the foods that you're eating and how that's translating in your brain. But before you even get there, you know, you have the food processing system mm-hmm. and we, we've seen this rise in mental health issues like depression and anxiety and suicide at rates that we've kind of never seen before. But then you also look at how our food is being processed today mm-hmm. in a way that it was not processed before. You think about how now like you were saying with the glucose, with the, I'm sorry, like the fructose and the corn syrups and all these sugars mm-hmm. in our food, we're consuming more sugars in a week than our ancestors did in a year. I mean, and then we wonder why, you know, why is everybody having these mental health issues? And it's like, yeah. well, maybe we should look at our food. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even talked about, mind. we haven't even talked about toxins yet because, I know. you know, since since World War Two, you know, like I think, I think it was one ton of pesticides or something created, you know, per year, and and now it's you know in the two hundred tons. I mean, that's just off the top of my head, oh, so it's probably inaccurate, yeah. but it's just astounding, you know. And then the pesticides, so then that increases inflammation in the body, and then when you think about pesticides and antibiotics, they're, they're like antibiotics, really. They kill the good bugs in our tummies. Yeah, and then affect the liver as well and inflammation and things like that. So That's why I, I'm always advocating to people, like, go organic as you can. You know, try to go to your local farmer's market. Try to, I even will go online and I will, like, research the farms that my food is All coming right. from or the family farm if I can because we're we're just so disconnected from the processing mm. of our food. You know, our ancestors, they they made their food, then they cooked their they grew their food, they made their food, they cooked their food, or they knew yeah. who their food was coming from. And so, but we are so disconnected from that process of where our food is coming from, how it's being processed, because we're in such an instant culture now mm. where it's just like you know, deliver the, you know, how you can have food delivered at the swipe of a, you know, your finger on your phone. And it's so convenient, but yet we're so disconnected and there's all these issues. You know, firstly, keep it simple. Um, Drink water and herbal teas. Try to, yeah, avoid, uh, reduce your coffee, you know, don't reduce it overnight. Probably just do it step by step. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, eat whole foods. So you know unprocessed foods your vegetables your fruit your eggs your meat your poultry your nuts your healthy fats like coconut oil olive oil um mm-hmm. i personally like you know butter grass-fed butter if um tolerate dairies dairy but i just want to talk about the fodmap diet have you ever come across a fodmap diet Brittany? i have not i'm okay. interested in learning okay. Well, I'll just talk a little bit about something called SIBO. So SIBO is the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So basically, it's it's one of the problems in the gut that can, you know, lead to anxiety and 
fatigue and joint pain and brain fog. And basically, rather in this condition, it's not necessarily about the alteration of the good and bad bug balance, but more about where the bacteria are. So they're supposed to be in the large intestine, the colon, but they often will kind of come up to the small intestine because there's lots of good food up there. Especially if you're eating, you know, too much sugar and fructose. So they migrate up to the small intestine. But when they sit there, they create lots of toxins. And these toxins, as I said, can give you the brain fog and the irritability, the anxiety. Mm-hmm. But there's a diet that is quite effective at reducing those bacteria. And it's called the FODMAP diet. So FODMAP is just an acronym for all the different types of sugars that you have to reduce in this diet. So fructose, oligosaccharide, disaccharide, monosaccharide, and um, polysaccharides. So basically, it's a list list of all these different foods that you want to to limit, um, like fructose. So if you are someone that reacts to onions or to leeks, um, no, onions and garlic, that can, you know, and that often they say that that's really good for the gut, but that actually, I think it's an oligosaccharide or a disaccharide I can't remember which one but mm-hmm. if you if you react to that it could show you that a FODMAP diet would could be helpful for you um, okay. so it's a specific diet that r- limits foods that feed these bacteria okay so that might be something that any of your your listeners our listeners here if they struggle with diarrhea or constipation any reflux um, any bloating or burping or farting, and then the brain fog, the the muscle pain or joint pain and anxiety and depression, fatigue issues. So that's just mm. a practical thing of you could trial the FODMAP diet. So that's step one. And then step number two is, you know, different antimicrobial herbs and probiotics to help then get the, the balance of those good right. to bad bugs back into to balance. Yeah. We're gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna link to all of Dr. Janelle's uh, work in the show notes, so you guys can absolutely link to that, where she goes way more in depth with all these individual areas that we probably can't cover completely within this one conversation unless you guys want to listen to a six-hour podcast (laughs) I mean (laughs) um, but what would you advise to someone wondering if their mental health challenges are because of a deficiency in food or nutrients or not like what would you advise maybe their first steps to be to find out or maybe what symptoms to look out for Um, how can they how can they kind of have an idea that you know, it's what they're eating or a deficiency rather than, you know, something else that might be causing the depression, anxiety. Okay. Number one, subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me <laughs> on Instagram. But just because there there's, there's so much and so many different factors. Number two, so, and I'll just say that there's two videos that are relevant to our discussion today. There's one on blood sugars. Mm-hmm. And I know for some people, they're like, I crave sugar so much. How can I? How can I cut that out of my diet? That's it's me. not quite that simple, Janelle. <laughs> you know, that's me. Yeah, that's you. Well, yeah. there's some supp- So one, there's some dietary advice on there, mm-hmm. and understanding how blood sugars impact um, anxiety and low mood, but also a couple of supplements that help um, with sugar cravings and sugar imbalances as well. Mm-hmm. Number two, there's a video, it's actually called Brain Fog, Depression and Gut Health. 
Um, but that's all about SIBO, the bacterial overgrowth in the gut and the FODMAP diet. Okay, but um, I've actually got a checklist, like a symptom list um, document that I've created for people to go through and say, Okay. so for example, I had a client that she came to me with, with anxiety and she had anxiety since, you know, childhood. And we went through all these symptoms and I found out that she had diarrhea. And I found out that she had basically diarrhea from childhood. And um, she's like, mm. everyone's just told me that this diarrhea is because of my anxiety. And I'm like, well, maybe it's actually because of a gut imbalance. And now right. and the anxiety is because of the gut imbalance and the diarrhea is a symptom of the gut imbalance. We actually found out she had celiac disease. Oh boy, okay. I've got other symptoms like stretch marks, stretch marks and white dots in your fingernails. That's actually a sign of a zinc deficiency. Mm. And a zinc deficiency can actually cause depression and anxiety. Right. So I've got this checklist that, you know, lists through some of the physical signs that you might have and some of the symptoms you may be experiencing or even... Um, Things like you're you're on a vegetarian diet. Oh, well, a vegetarian diet can actually cause vitamin B12 deficiency. Right. So I'm linking up. The, you, so there's a checklist that people can um, fill in, and then it'll say, hey, if you've got more than more than one symptom in this area, you might like to look into zinc deficiency or SIBO or the thyroid or celiac. Right. So, so I've given you the link for that, but you can get that from my website as well. So that's drjanellesinclair.com. So it's probably the best place yeah. to start. Yeah. Okay. I, it's so great that you've laid out that information, especially with things like, I mean, like the thyroid. You know, mm. it looks and feels like depression, but it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's your underactive thyroid because you don't, you're not having the metabolism for the energy. I mean, it's... So you might have constipation along with that. And so that right. would be your... the you know, constipation and maybe thinning hair or a swollen neck, you know, or a swollen thyroid gland. So some sort of, yeah, highlighting the physical symptoms that you might have that right. underlying hormonal imbalance. And then that could be the driver of your depression or anxiety. Yeah. Right. And just thinking about how I'm just, I'm just thinking about how, you know, everybody's body is different. And so you brought up if you're currently on a vegetarian diet and mm -hmm. you might be suffering, you know, B12 deficiency, you really do have to pay attention to what works for your body and what doesn't work, yeah. you know, and thinking yeah. about it. Because I think it's so easy for people to generalize. Yeah, because I says and yeah, mm -hmm. and and I, I did a. Instagram post that was a little bit controversial. Like I, a couple I weeks know exactly ago. which one you're talking about. <laughs> it said uh, depression and anxiety may be caused by a vegan diet. Now, I was really just doing it to to bring awareness to the fact that a vegan diet can cause a B12 deficiency. You know, I had a lot of people supporting me and a lot of people saying that it's right. not true. But the fact is that there's a I, I think when people suffer with mental um, health problems, then they really need to be aware of their B12 because there's a genetic weakness called the MTHFR gene. 
And when we have a vulnerability in that area, then we're more, we don't make our neurotransmitters properly. Um, we're more vulnerable to depression and mental illness. So it can run through families. So yes, a vegan diet could be helpful because it's improving the vegetable content and being anti-inflammatory. And that might be good for the first two years, but once the liver's depleted of the B12, then it you know, might become a problem. And it's going to be based on everyone's genetics as well, whether they can be okay with a vegan diet or they can't. Right. I think it's definitely safe to say that, you know, if this is the kind of diet that you have, then just be aware that you could have deficiencies in these areas uh, because this diet may not be meeting that. So just be aware of it. Like you said, have some, and that's what I was going to ask you, you know, as far as someone who wanted to know if they're deficient or not, would it be logical to just go to your doctor and say, Hey, cause I'm, I actually just set up a doctor's appointment uh-huh. <laughs> and for a couple of weeks. And I'm, and yep. the more that I'm thinking about this and having this conversation and studying it, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go to my doctor and I, I want her to test my blood for these different mm. nutrients to see yep. if I am deficient in these areas. Is that something practically a person you would recommend yes. a person to do? Yes, the the issue is you really need to go to the doctor with your list that you want tested right. because because most doctors aren't aware or or proactive um, when it comes to to mental health. Right. So you should get your iron and your B twelve and folate checked, your vitamin D, thyroid, and be ruled out for celiac as well. So they're the basic ones. Yeah. It's a kind of. Um... It's kind of interesting how there's this blind spot in the mental health, in mental health care, yep. yeah. where it, where those nutrients and the food system and intake and quality in your bloodstream is just kind of going under the current. You know, it's yeah. it's not being seen, it's not being tested. Yet these very things contribute to all yeah. these different factors when it comes to your bodily and your mental health. And yet it's a blind spot unless, like you're saying, you go to your doctor and you specifically ask for Mm. being tested in these areas. There's not a lot of proactivity. I've never been to a doctor and they've told me or asked me if I want to test in these areas or to even look at them. Yeah. Or even do you have a vegetarian diet um, or do you, you know, do you eat meat or do you go out in the sun regularly because you know, with um, your skin color, Brittany, mm-hmm. you'll need to be vigilant about your vitamin D as well. So right. um, people of color, 80% of people with color have a vitamin D deficiency in America. This is one of the studies and about 60% of Hispanics will have a vitamin D deficiency. So vitamin D is very important for mental health. So um, the more deficient you are, the more fatigued you'll be. There's some case studies showing um, people have had psychosis because of a low vitamin D Mm. um, level. Yeah, It's a very important nutrient as well. I know that as I've, I've read that Americans are, a lot of Americans are new, are deficient in vitamin mm. D. Like it's a big deficiency also because I understand that we get vitamin D from sunlight. It yeah. it kind of metabolizes the, the cholesterol on our skin, but that uh, also because of our lifestyles, because yeah, we're, we're just... indoors more and yeah. 
on our computers and we just don't yeah. go outside. We're not exposed to the outside as much yeah. as past generations were. Yeah. And so that, that vitamin D is, is, is really kind of a big one. And um, somebody and actually like, ended up messaging these, me uh, that yeah. they found out that they were wondering why they felt so, you know, down and depressed. And it was because they were vitamin D deficient. And especially if in your areas where it's like snowing a lot or it's dark yeah. all the time, especially yeah. during winter, it's like we we just we forget about that. Those that yeah. nutrition that nutrient value. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a um video on vitamin D as well and a report about how to interpret your blood tests results as well. So oh, okay. um there and and how much supplementation to take. So I've taken the vitamin D council's recommendations about um, if your vitamin D level is this on your bloods, you should take this many um, international units per day. Um, so okay. yeah, that resource is available as well. I'm so glad you have that because I, I get doctor's <laughs> results and I'm like, what do these numbers mean <laughs> yeah I, yeah I see these numbers but what does that mean for me so I'll definitely <laughs> yeah. have to check that out yeah well thank yeah. you so much for everything you shared um I was gonna I just had a kind of one last question and that is you know what are your thoughts on medication and how much of mental health can be treated holistically I think that's the big question I'm sure it's one everybody's still trying to answer and research yeah. this is my big my big one, I'm just like, yeah. do you think we'll ever get to a point where it's like we can completely treat things through food and naturalistic? I don't know. And that's, I'm not saying you'll know for sure, but what are your thoughts? I'm just curious. Well, you have to be, yeah, and you have to, because I'm not a medical doctor either and right. or a psychiatrist, I, I don't, you know, don't overly like to talk about medication. Right. Um, I... There are small studies that show that natural strategies can be as effective as antidepressant medication. And you've mm -hmm. probably seen that with CBT as well, cognitive behavioral yes, therapy. I love CBT. This is, so, you know, in an ideal world, I love it if everyone was given the option of diet and lifestyle counseling and all their blood tests and nutrients first, as well as, you know, CBT training, mm -hmm. and then let medication be a secondary option. Um, but, you know, we don't live in an ideal world and most of my clients that my previous clients that came to me were already on medication. Right. So what I, yeah, before they came to see me, so sort of what my recommendation is around medication is one, stay on it mm -hmm. um, initially. Like, so like if pe people were looking at my stuff and going, oh, diet or get on this diet and this supplement, don't just stop your medication. Please right. don't. Right. Um, my my advice is the first first aim is not to get off the medication. The first aim is to get feel better. So let's get on change your diet, check mm -hmm. the deficiencies, add in some supportive nutrients like omega threes and minerals, and then when you're feeling great and good, then you can discuss with your doctor about coming off the antidepressants slowly. So yeah, don't do it I don't by yourself. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and don't do it quickly and right. don't try to um a lot of people try to go off it and then put nothing in to support them in that journey. So that's why I say mm -hmm. put in all the good stuff, all the natural strategies, 
and only then consider going off it. So I don't really have an answer on to you yeah, on how much no, of I mental think... health could be treated holistically. I think in like Sweden or Norway or something, you know, when you know people are not feeling well, they go to it on on a retreat. You know, oh, that's <laughs> so good idea. <laughs> you know, so there's I think there is a lot of things that we we could be could be doing a whole lot differently and supporting people in their lives um, in a more practical manner and yeah as you say mm-hmm. yeah so good question yeah <laughs> I, I think just, an answer. okay last question what if you were to go shopping right now and you had a basket and you were just like these are the ideal things to you know grab from the grocery store and throw into your cart Mm-hmm. You could just off the top of your head list off the go-tos, like put this in your grocery cart for your meal this week. There are people who are listening to this podcast and like, I need to change my diet yeah. and they're about to go shopping. What would you tell them to put on their shopping list? <laughs> okay. Um, get some, maybe do some coconut milk with um, mm-hmm. some spinach and um, blueberries for breakfast and maybe throw in some LSA, so linseed um sunflower and almonds or ground up and maybe some chia seeds maybe some protein powder probably vegan based sort of like uh-huh. a, pea, a pea, pea protein or something like that some eggs lots of salads and lots lots of salads so yeah um, I, I always I always like a good coleslaw with your cabbage and your carrots and broccoli in there mm-hmm. but um you know just hold hold the um the dressings, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe do some yeah some good salmon slab of salmon for dinner with some sweet potatoes, some cruciferous br- um, vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower. Um, that's really good for the liver. Yeah, how does that sound? That's maybe so some encouraging. Organic it's chicken or yeah, yeah, that's yeah. literally everything I put in my grocery cart this Ooh, past some week. Some avocado, avocado. Oh yes, yeah. Avocado is <laughs> kind of a. I'm learning is kind of a magical. Uh, food it's kind of a it's got so much uh, packed in there yeah well thank you so so much for having taking the time to have this conversation with me I know that it's just a snippet of everything that you're sharing uh, over on YouTube and on your social media and I want to take the time to encourage everyone to check out some of your work Um, I've gone ahead and listed all of your links in the show notes and, uh, any last words of, uh, advice? Yeah, this is a, it's a journey. So, um, don't get overwhelmed by, by this. Just, just make small changes that are sustainable for you. So like if, if going organic and dairy free and gluten free and sugar free is just so overwhelming for you, just just start by going, hey, today I'm going to eat five cups of vegetables. Look look at what you can add in and, and the things that you can, can do to improve because over time your taste buds will change and um, it will get easier and habits get easier. And also, yeah, just just know that it is is a learning curve. Um, my aim with my YouTube channel really is to try to take a complex topic and make it quite simple and quite practical. So you know, it's taken me more than ten years to learn, you know, nearly twenty years to learn this. So don't expect to learn it overnight. But um, mm-hmm. just yeah, just take it one step at a time. 
I love that. And I'm a complete witness to everything that you're saying, you know, so thank you so much. <laughs> and I hope you have the great, a great rest because it's Friday here, but it's Saturday for you. So you're already well into the weekend. Yes. <laughs> I'm just so getting my weekend yeah. started. Well, it's so. been great. Thank you, Brittany. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening until next time.